It's the final word daily 2023 Men's World Cup. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. I'm in London. Jeff's at the mighty Chinnaswamy in Bangalore, where Australia have registered their second win. We're here for Westfield, London. Westfield, Stratford City, more extra, less ordinary. Jeff, tell us all about it in 30 seconds. Chinnaswamy means small god, Adam, and that is what David Warner was in the middle today. He made 163 and, uh, well, smashed them all over the place with Mitchell Marsh making 100 and can't remember, 20. Uh, that number didn't lodge in my head for some reason, but they put on 259 for the first week. It's second biggest World Cup partnership ever for Australia. Pushed them to 367, which wasn't very big because Australia lost nine wickets uh, towards the end after Marsh got out in the last 15 or 16 overs and then Pakistan looked like they were going to chase it for a minute a big hundred opening partnership between uh, Shafiq and Imam and then the wickets tumbled bit by bit Ifty Mania almost kicked off didn't quite they were all at 305 <laughs> lost by 62 so Australia 367 for nine you're right with Warner 163 Marsh 121 record breaking World Cup partnership for Australia adding 259 for the first wicket they lost nine for 107 after that seems to ring a bell uh, including six for 70 I think it was uh, in the final turnover so they really were on track for one of those 400 days that everything clicked but it didn't um, which it often doesn't after a huge opening partnership I find Jeff mm. in one day cricket that if you really nail your first 30 to 35 overs yeah it's rarely the case that you stick the landing but that was fine because they had plenty and they held their nerve with the ball and Zampa was the key to all of that picking up Barbara's arm Iftika just when it looks like he was going to tee off and you know, maybe even win the game for Pakistan, which would have been uh, a record-breaking chase. And Rizwan as well, uh, two of the three leg before wicket. He bags his second forfer on the trot back in business. So are Australia. They were 10th at the start of the week. They're fourth now. Um, they've got the Netherlands next, and they have the chance to really work their way through the middle part of the, of the competition. You, you spoke on the show yesterday about that friend who calls you up and you know that you're going to make some bad decisions uh, I'd, sometimes the big opening partnership is like starting in the afternoon you're like oh you know it would be a great idea why don't we start at 2pm and you have a great like the first few hours terrific everything's going really well and you know by about 9pm that night things are not going anywhere near so well um, the, the back half doesn't necessarily it, it suffers when the first half is too good that's all um, sometimes that's the case right and and also um, there were there were some things that were understandable about it okay so so it's the 34th over when Mitchell Marsh gets out. And I thought, Australia, mm. rightly, they say, OK, let's send in Glenn Maxwell um, just to see if he can accelerate the innings. Uh, he tries to hit a six-first ball and is out for a golden <laughs> duck. Uh, very, very Maxwell areas. Uh, it, it just, there was just a moment where I thought, I was, I, was, I was doing the description at the time, and I thought, I didn't say it, but I thought, you've got one ball to come in the Shaheen Shah Freddy over. Maybe oh, just, yeah. just see this one out. Just see this over out and, and attack from ball two. And he says, no, I'm Glenn Maxwell. I'm going to hit this for six and was caught down the oh. ground. So suddenly two and two. Shaheen's on a hat trick after they've been absolutely smashed for 259 in 34 overs. Yeah, one of two times he found himself on a hat trick, Shaheen, who didn't bowl between overs seven and overs I know. or something like that, which I, I thought know. was a huge misstep. And I was actually listening to your commentary of the Maxwell wicket. You and I, you know, our brainwaves are linked in so many ways with how much work we do together. I thought the same thing. Glenn, knock this on the head. He's just taken a wicket. Go the other way. But I actually admire the fact that he tried to swing at ball one because he's promoted for that very reason. In a way, 
what I was surprised by was Stoinis not walking in next. Like, what's the point of having a go at accelerating and trying to go 400 just for one ball? I, I kind of get that Smith would have already had the pads on and they're not anticipating losing three wickets in an over and all the rest of it. But still, um, that, that, that did strike me as odd. Yep. That they didn't kind of stick with the bit having done so well. Let's go to the top of the list and, and deal with Warner and Marsh here. Please. Marsh has gone on a wonderful run. Um, you know, he turned 32 today on his birthday. I'm not sure how many times uh, batters have made... World Cup hundreds on their birthday. I did ask Phil Long, didn't get back to me. Um, he was probably working with you. Um, but um, it, it couldn't have happened often. And isn't it great that he has taken this fourth or fifth opportunity at international cricket and made it really work for him, having suffered through so many injuries, having not been part of the World Cup team in 2019. He got called into the squad for about a week when Marcus Stornis was injured and he came in as injury cover but didn't play. Was a squad member in 2015, played the opening game against England, got a World Cup medal but wasn't much of an important factor through the, the course of the tournament. Certainly didn't play in the elimination stage but it's clear he's the next one-day captain. Um, 121. It's a great question that Australia have to answer. Who would have thought we'd be saying that a week ago? That Travis Head is going to come back into this 11. That is certain. Yep. Marsh will probably just go to three. But you hear David Warner, and we'll talk about him in a sec, speak at the halfway mark, and, 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 and uh, Mitchell Marsh as well. They're raving about their chemistry, about mm. all the experience they have batting together for Australia and being in the same squads for 12 years now. I can see a world where they just stick with that and maybe Travis Head has to be absorbed somewhere else, which, again, I, I, given the way Australia started, that was never part of the conversation until they, they knocked off Sri Lanka a few days ago. And, and because such a big part of Mitchell Marsh's game is how he bats against pace and how he bats against the yeah. new ball pace. Because he hits that stuff so cleanly, um, and I know it's a, it's a cliche and it sounds silly sometimes, but literally the Western Australian upbringing, you can see how it has an impact sometimes on how he plays, mm. particularly when it's quicker, particularly when it's shorter, like the Trent Bridge test innings against Mark Wood. Mitchell Marsh didn't have any problems facing Mark Wood. Everybody else did during that match. Because there was bounce and pace in the pitch, he was used to that. He was able to deal with that. So he can smash fast bowlers, and he started doing that from the get-go. Even before Warner kicked off, Marsh was kicking off. Mm. Big booming six down the ground. Um, he hit a number of those. He hit one that just pumped straight into the sight screen and bounced back. And, and that was before Warner got going. Warner hits a six in, what, the third over, I think. And then he, yep. then he chips that, that one up in the air. Next time he tries a big shot. So top edge, loops down to mid on. It's, it's in the conversation with the worst drop catch I've ever seen, just in technical terms, because it was so simple. It didn't go super high in the air. Like watching from the commentary position, it just sort of looped up towards, um, it was mid on for Warner, and it was Osama Mir, the leg spinner, the tall, lanky leg spinner who'd come into the side mm. in place of Shadab Khan. He's just been brought in, he's stationed there, it's coming straight to him, it's nice and simple. I don't think it even hit his hands, I think it just hit him in the chest and bounced off. Warner's on 10, and I know you can say, well, okay, he made a score because he got dropped, but from then until there was another half chance on 105. So between 10 and 105, he middled everything. He hit the ball so sweetly. He smashed the living shit out of it, if I can use a poetic term. And then after 105, he goes on to 163 as well. It was the best, most sustained display of attacking batting that I've seen from David Warner in what feels like years. The straight drives down the ground, um, the way that he played his cut shots and his pull shots, 
and I'll come to one particular shot in the Hall of Fame as well, which I want to save until then. But and then at the same end, Marsh is sorry, the other end, Marsh is just doing that Mitchell Marsh thing, which was the cut shot particularly banged down into the ground like that crispness. He was picking up runs behind points so easily, and then pretty much just if you pitch it up, I'm going to put it back over the bowler's head. So simple, so straightforward, but because he hits the ball with such power, he was able to do it. It was just thrilling fireworks stuff through that first. 30 overs, um, first 25 until they started to slow down a bit. As the spinners came on, rotated the strike a bit, nudged it around for five or six overs, then accelerated again, hit a few more sixes um, until Marsh is finally out. It, it was an extraordinary partnership. Second biggest for Australia ever in World Cups. The biggest was the 280 mm. that Warner put on with Smith against Afghanistan at the Wacker in 2015. So, you know, as, as far as um, the Chinnaswamy goes, it was a pretty decent bowling attack and they absolutely lathered them. Just want to back over a couple of those bits. So, Osama Mir, we're never going to forget his name for all the wrong reasons, the poor bastard. I mean, I, you could see those nerves jangling as the ball was hanging in the air. And the way, I mean, the way he tried to catch it up on his chest, right underneath his chin, Matt Hayden made a good point on commentary. You can't actually see the ball when you do that. It has to be fingers up or down lower. He got caught betwixt and between. You're yeah. right, it didn't actually touch his hands on the way through. Just to go back to Warner, I've got in my notes here, I'll be interested in your, your thoughts on this having been there at the Chinnaswamy today. Warner version 1.0. Mm. A lot of that hitting reminded me of, of Warner, the guy we remember from the century in the session at Perth in 2012. The guy yep. we remember clearing the front pad and popping ball after ball over Cow Corner. For a long time, Warner didn't play that way. Uh, Michael Divinetto became the Australian batting coach, I think from memory, around 2014. And the way that Warner learnt how to play between, let's call it cover point and backward point, his second century in a session, under a different format, but bear with me here, was at Sydney in 2016 against Pakistan. And that was all played that way. It was like watching two completely different batsmen, but able to score at the same kind of tempo. This was more version 1.0, which we seldom see. David Warner... In his best years in the IPL, of course he can advance down the track and smack a bowl over his head. Of course he can smack it 100 metres over the leg side. But most of his work was done along the turf, playing more conventional shots or forcing shots. Um, but this from a technical perspective, seeing Warner, I don't know, go back to his true north or something like that. And if this is the way Warner's going to play in the final chapter of his career, that's bloody exciting because... It's nice seeing him go back to core principles. Mm. I'm not sure whether that'll stack up to scrutiny when he gets asked about it, but it did feel noteworthy to me. And yeah, with Mitch Marsh, uh, you know, he's got that straight arm shot we talk about all the time off the mark with a six in that direction today. Um, I think he does do his best work when the field's up. I think he's liberated by knowing that he's not going to get caught on the fence. And the fact that he could keep going all the way through, hit nine sixes as well. It stood out to me that Australia hit... Well, 18 sixes between that pair and 19 all up. Pakistan, who came pretty close, didn't hit a six between the 14th over and the 36th when Iftika hit a couple in a couple of balls. So a different kind of approach to compiling a big score, 672 runs made on the day. But um, yeah, the drop of Warner, noteworthy, but the way he made the most of it uh, and has picked up a little groin niggle along the way, said on television when named player of the match that it was just a cramp thing. So he should be fine for their next game, but they play the Netherlands next, Jeff, and I know we're jumping ahead a bit here, but they've gotten through that tough bit playing mm. India and South Africa first up, and provided South Africa make the semi-finals, that actually won't affect Australia, losing those two. They've got to win these games. Other sides are the vying for positions, let's call it three and four. Games like this, games like the one against England, which will come up 
uh, in a couple of weeks' time, I think on the 2nd of November when they play at Umderbad. Games like that with sides that are in that range of between sort of three and seven, and this was very much one of those. Yeah. The one thing I'd say with Warner going back to the old style is he doesn't bomb mid-wicket in the same way. He used to do that kind of angled bat, drag across the front leg sort of thing, you know, basically a slog, and he, he, he had good hand-eye and nailed it. To, if he hits to the leg side now, it's more cross bat, it seems to be, and, and then he's got he's got those gears to be able to sort of play those, those sweeps and so on behind square um, and those deflection kind of shots and then to hit straight back down the ground. So it, it's like, because, you know, people sort of thought he was a filthy slogger in 2009 and occasionally he was. He doesn't really do the filthy slogging bit so much anymore, um, which, which is an interesting development. But yeah, the, the, the rest of it, it, it was astonishing to me that up until that 34th, 35th over, Shahin Shafridi had bowled four overs and just, they were just like, oh, we just didn't think we'd use our best bowler, the guy who's really good at stuff. Let's just not put him in because we, we really want to see what Mohamed Nawaz is going to do with some left-arm orthodox stuff around the wicket. Um, and, and eventually, at the point that they finally brought them back on, brought him back on, he gets two in two, starts to get them into the game, and they're able to... Like, they actually held Australia, which sounds ridiculous, at 367. But um, they were... You know, it could have been worse. It could, there, were, there was a point during the innings where it looked like 400-plus, um, and then gradually they're able to chip away at wickets through that back end and and Shaheen picks up two in and over again um, towards the the end of of the order was it who who did he get out first ball the second time around was it Stark Uh, Stark then Hazelwood yeah sorry Hazelwood was the golden the the second golden duck yeah Hazelwood fishes at one outside the off stump the 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 idea that you would have seen Josh Hazelwood batting when they were none for 259 in the 33rd over 34th over was pretty far-fetched at that point um yeah and then Pakistan actually start really well Abdullah Shafiq Imam al-Haq they weren't going crazy but they brought the 100 up in the 17th over I want to say whereas Australia brought it up in the 13th or 14th over so they weren't going that much more slowly than Australia they needed seven and a half from the get-go but you know and they upped the tempo um, as they got close to 100 partnership they ended up at about six and a half and over they both got into the 60s and were looking pretty good for a while um, until Abdullah Shafiq plays a little uh, little pull shot, Marcus Stoinis, the break through the top edge, and, and then he picks up the other opener as well, gets him arm caught down at deep third by Mitchell Stark, well taken low down. And from that point, Australia w- were into them. It had to be Baba and Rizwan. Um, mm. And when it wasn't, it was pretty much all over. Just a, a bit of statistical miscellaneous for you, Jeff, on the Aussie innings before we move on and talk about the Pakistan chase. Um, David Warner's now got 47 international centuries. He overtook Joe Root's 46 today. Next is Dravid on 48. Then it's Lara on 53. But, but Dravid's the top 10. So he's got a chance. You know, you, you'll think he'll be a chance of reaching Lara at 53, which is you know, a pretty good effort when you consider the way we consider, or the way we think of Brian yeah. Lara, rather. Um, and the way we think of David Warner. I know batting at the top of the list in one-day cricket inflates that somewhat, but you've got to make the yeah, runs. But Mitch Lara, Lara batted go th- three usually in, in one day. As True. Day. True. And just on Marsh and his record recently, so this year alone, the, the century at, at the Chittaswamy, um, 96 against India at Rajkot a couple of weeks ago, 81 from 55 balls at Mumbai back in March, 71 against South Africa in in double time at Johannesburg and the half century against Sri Lanka. So he's really clicked at this level. His overall average of 34 or something like that is pretty good, not bad at one day level, but it's been mm. what he's done in this opportunity, in this era of Mitchell yep. Marsh, when he stopped being a number six and more went you know, into the top three consistently. Well, just I'll, on the I'll chase, give you, I'll give you sorry. a couple of stats miscellaneous bits as well, because I just wrote okay. a piece on this for the paper. Uh, <laughs> David Warner, now seventh all time for World Cup runs. Um, he's five runs shy of Brian Lara. So he'll catch Lara in this tournament. Oh, nice. 
of the other six uh, ahead of him, they've got you know top three being Tendulkar, Sangakkara, Ponting, or the, in, not in that order. Uh, he's got Coley and Rowett are both within about 70 runs of David Warner for World Cup runs. So they're all in a pack together, um, seeing who can do what during this World Cup. Um, and also Warner's got the third highest average for any Australian player uh, in one day cricket who made a thousand runs or more behind Bevan and Hussey and yeah 21 one day centuries Ponting made 29 I've, I've kept on saying that Ponting made 30 but he made 30 all up but that includes the world 1100 he made in the tsunami game so he made 29 for Australia mm. but, ah, um, right. yeah, but, yeah. but 30 overall so yeah I mean it, it, nobody else is close that's, that's the second most I think Mark War made 18 and Warner's up to 21 now so it's a it's a pretty monstrous career um, that, that doesn't get talked about a whole lot about what he did in 50 over cricket yeah, I suspect in, in hindsight it will an awful lot more. Just on that chase, so they put on 134 for the first wicket and, and that's broken in, at the start of the 22nd over by Stoinis. And, you know, I love the response from Stoinis, flexing the arms. I don't know what Stoinis was saying exactly, but whatever it was was quite demonstrative. And getting Imam in his second over for 70 with that ill-considered. It's probably the first mistake Imam made. I know he was dropped at mid-wicket by Cummins, but you know, an uppercut down to um, deep third didn't feel like the right shot. So they fall in relatively quick succession. Um, but... I just want to say credit to Pat Cummins here. Um, he made good changes at good times tonight. Stark wasn't at his best. He did keep the streak going. That that uh, The penultimate wicket gave Stark, uh, got him in the book, uh, which he's done in every World Cup game. Uh, Hazelwood we'll talk about in a sec. But the changes that uh, that he made, getting Stoinis both into the attack and then out of the attack again, getting Zampa back on for the matchup, warning Zampa to bowl to Barbara's arm and then getting him caught at mid-wicket by Cummins two balls later, mm-hmm. having already dropped a catch. You know, Cummins is moving these chess pieces. A guy who's taken two wickets in two over, he's like, right, that's not actually not our plan. We don't want Stoinis bowling to Barbara's arm. We want the spin of Zampa. Got to get him out of the attack, even though it feels counterintuitive. And that pays off second ball. And it's him taking a diving catch to yep. remove his opposing number. So that felt like a, a significant turning point. It was still kind of game on with Saul Shaquille, who I thought batted really nicely. Hit five boundaries out of his 30. Um, but Shaquille f- falls to Cummins himself and bringing himself back. Second ball back into the attack. Finds the top edge from a pull shot that wasn't quite stoinous. Running back with the flight. Another excellent bit of fielding after Australia. Did drop a couple early on. Sean Abbott, the sub on the rope, which cost them six runs and a wicket and, and the catch that, that Cummins put down also inside the power play. But they made up for it later. Um, and Cummins, who picked up, I think, two or three wickets himself, all told. Um, and as for Josh Hazelwood, you know, his economy rate today is 3.7 uh, in a match where the going rate was about seven and over. So nearly twice as effective as anyone else on that measure. It was only right that he got into the book at the end because that power play, you know, going back to the very start, nearly got off the rails for Australia. None for 40 after five. All the runs were coming at Stark's end, a little bit like that Sri Lanka game that we did a few days ago. One end was heavy, very heavy scoring, one end wasn't. But Hazelwood just kept the clamps on to an extent, um, which gave Australia enough scoreboard pressure to, to apply later on. So, um, you know, Hazelwood was best of the bowlers in the sense that he kept it tight with one for 37. And Zampa, you know, mm. what a time to get back to full fitness. Uh, Cummins referred to him as Lazarus uh, in his interview after play. Apparently, Zampa's been in bed for a week with this ongoing back complaint, but got himself up today, the three key wickets. And, you know, if we were doing votes, Zampa's probably getting, uh, well, at least one. I don't know whether he overtakes Mitch Marsh, but, um, you know, <laughs> Warner and Marsh for their partnership. But, but Zampa and Hazelwood, brilliant as well. Yeah, basically Warner and Marsh put on so many runs that, 
Australia yeah. were able to have some bad patches and were able to um, mm, absorb mm. some good partnerships. And then just a word for Iftimania, uh, Iftikhar Ahmed, yeah. God love him, so good to watch. He was two off eight balls at one point, then suddenly he was 24 off 18, hit three sixes, hits two off Cummins, both beautiful clips off the pads, the timing, one way behind square, one in front of square. And then was it Stoinis who he baseballed down the ground, um, just yeah. took it off the top of the bounce. I- incredible. He's such a, a weathered looking dude. It's like he's been left out on the deck of a ship for several decades. He's like the old man in the sea, Iftikhar Ahmed, who's apparently still in his 30s. God knows how. Um, th- those numbers don't add up, but his numbers when he decides to just start smoking sixes do add up. And just for a bit, it was like, okay, well, they need about 120 from about 80 balls here. That gap's not too big. Like two mm. massive overs somewhere along the line and you pretty much close that gap up. And with Mohamed Rizwan out there with him, off, who was like 37 off 34 at that point, I was like, okay, they actually could do this. They could run this down. And had he stayed mm. out there another four or five overs, if he, maybe it would have happened. It didn't end up happening. Zampa comes into play with those LBWs and, and so on. But, you know, for a minute there, it was it was fun to, to dare her to dream. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, if Iftika Ahmed faces 40 balls, they're probably most of the way there, but he faces 20. And Rizwan, you know, I was doing the Guardian coverage and I couldn't help but reflect upon Karachi last year, the game we did together and, you know, um, on that occasion, hits a century in two and a half hours after Barbara Azam batted for two days for 195. You know, he's got that ability to to go very quickly when he when he needs to. But yeah, wasn't to be. Um, and they fell away towards the end. I thought they were going to play some net run rate cricket for a while, but um, 305 all out. They don't do too much damage to their overall record, Pakistan. But uh, they absolutely need to win against Afghanistan. They have. Uh, the shorter break. I think their next match is on Monday against yep. Afghanistan. So um, Pakistan, who won the first two games, so they're in a slightly better spot than Australia to begin. Uh, but now um, having dropped, a, well, beaten badly by India on Saturday and, and after the break, um, six-day break, the longer break losing to Australia, they have to get back on track effectively straight away or they'll fall foul of the net run rate problems that we've been discussing every day. Hall of Fame. Let's do it, Jeff. It's the time for the final word. Hall of Fame that's brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. Hey, are you or someone that you know, aged 12 to 24, looking to grab your future with both hands? I mean, I know a a few people. I know a few people between the ages of 20. Maybe not, but if you're listening, more to the point. Maybe you're not sure about what you want to do after school. Maybe you want to to better understand money or maybe you're the first league spinner who dreams of carving out a career as a batter. Yes. And copy that's listening to the show. That is good copy. They're aligned with us. That's final word copy. Whatever you're looking for, future you is happening between the 19th and the 22nd of October at Westfield Stratford City. So today's the 19th. So over the weekend, next three days, get yourself down to Stratford City. It's the place for you. Something for everyone, including DJing and hip-hop workshops, clothing upcycle session, upcycling, clothing clothing upcycling sessions. I only went the wrong way there. Um, Trainer customization, mental and financial well-being workshops, and even cricket taster sessions with Middlesex, and Essex Cricket Clubs. All sessions are free, but book online to avoid missing out. Google uh, Westfield London, but specifically here, Mm -hmm. Google 
Westfield Stratford City uh, for more information. So that sounds like a pretty cool idea. It's called Future You over the weekend. Google it and get down there and, and have yourself a, a taste of cricket session. Um, or I'm probably more interested in um, the, the hip-hop workshop. I'm not sure what that yeah. would be exactly. But sounds like a nice way to spend a weekend. If I were 12 to 24, I'd do this. That's way better than, I mean, the only career stuff you could learn at Westfield where we grew up was like how to escape a drug deal on rollerblades. <laughs> you know, it was... Well, <laughs> yeah, how, how, to, how to make a bong cut from the middle of the hose. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a very much, much classier establishment here. Uh, well, not here, but in England, where we're at London and Stratford City, uh, which is in London. Uh, quick one, quick nomination for me, Mitchell Stark. I really wanted Mitchell Stark to take at least one wicket today, which he did, yep. because that took him to 55 World Cup wickets, which meant he levelled Wasim Akram while playing against Pakistan. Just a nice little bit of synchronicity <laughs> there. Um, so he, he delivered. I've got quite a few here. I was going to mention before in the wrap-up, I forgot to do so, the fucking hideous review uh, first ball of the game Shaheen Shahafredi we've had three shockers on the first over and this was the first ball this week it was Stark against Sri Lanka it was Trent Bolt with whoever New Zealand were playing a couple of days ago um, which I've already forgotten Afghanistan and it was um, Shaheen today I think Shaheen's the worst of the lot because um, oh, yeah. in you know in Saturday cricket parlance he fucking smashed it Mitch Marsh onto his pad there I think it was Marsh might have been Warner who cares um, around that time I was watching with my daughter Winnie on my lap uh, we were watching the pre-game as I like to do I like to watch the toss and hear what the captains have to say before breaking off and doing a, a few other things and returning to cricket through the course of the day um, and we watched the national anthems together and Winnie said I didn't know there were songs in cricket which I thought was a lovely uh uh, a lovely um, uh, sense of how little she cares about the game and how much she likes music. She also said when they cut to an empty bay of seats, bear in mind it was a great crowd tonight. Yeah, really good. Um, Should have mentioned that off the top. Like It, it wasn't yeah. full full, but it was probably three quarters and they were loud even in the first yeah. innings where it was only half full they like the noise was this was the loudest game I've been at at this World Cup it was great on commentary it's hard not to sort of think about and reflect on it when you're watching it all day Matt Hayden's on one at the moment so um, just buckle up and enjoy the ride he mentioned King Roy and Peanut Growing Territory within 10 minutes of the broadcast starting of course he did um and then he got really fired up. He nearly came when Sampa took a wicket at one point. He got really fired up about, about grit and determination. This being what it's all about to be an Australian fucking cricketer. That's Australian fair. Went real hard. Um, speaking of commentators, Watto, man, Watto, he's so good. They, they do a commentary box shot at one point, And as they're throwing to him, he goes, oh, better make sure the shirt fits. And takes the piss out of himself after that photo that circulated during the week of him having that hole where his chest is bursting out of his shirt. I'm sure most people who listen to this show will be familiar with what I'm saying, Jeff. But he immediately took the piss out of himself, and that says a lot about Watto. There's no shirt that can contain the big rig. Um, And and I can also... It's probably okay to do a little glance behind the curtain. I ended up sitting next to him on the way here on the plane, and he spent the the entire time doing research. He was very diligent. He was doing all of his stats um, and and really doing the prep. So he's he's hitting all of his marks. That's what you want. And, and my last, um, my last uh, bit of credit goes to the cricket ground and TJ, Jeff. Australia's first wicket, Barnsley, working class man. Mm-hmm. And every subsequent wicket, at least I could tell, <laughs> the easy beats Friday on my mind, which um, what, a, what a tune. It's a great job being the cricket ground DJ, but that um, man or woman has done their research as well. Um, Barnsley and the easy beats, um, tick, tick. I've got one more because I wanted to talk about the David Warner shot 
from early in the innings where he steps oh, yeah. across his stumps and plays. It's not the kind of lap shot in the way that Joe Root plays it. It's more like a. It's like he's shaping to play that pickup pull shot that he sort of plays off the hip. Um, but he he he'll, he'll end up on one knee. He played one against Sri Lanka the other night, um, and, and he gets under the faster bowlers and lifts it so high in the air. This one hit the roof of the Chinnaswamy. There's like the ridge, the lip around the stadium. It's incredibly mm. high. They tracked it as being 98 metres mm. in distance. It hit the roof about six inches below the top of the roof and bounced back into the spectators. Had it not hit the roof, it would have been 130 metres, I reckon. It was absolutely enormous, and it was thrilling to watch. When you see it happen live, it, it's it's like a rocket launch. It's incredible. An anti-Hall of Fame for me. I, as you know, Jeff, I love the Chinnaswamy. It's my favourite ground in India. Love Bangalore, full stop. Um, they've, they've changed the light towers. You know how often I bang on about the Chinnaswamy light towers looking like VFL parks? Um, which they did until very recently, and they've, they've upgraded, which kind of broke my heart a little bit that I saw the photos come through from the ground yesterday at training that the Chinnaswamy has officially um, moved away from the old Soviet light towers to a more modern, sleek version. So uh, rest in peace, big boys. Uh, you will be missed. Uh, and um, credit to the Pakistan fan today, by the way, who kept chanting Zinzabad Pakistan so much that um, he got himself in trouble. That's going to be a bigger story, I suspect. I don't want to take the piss out of that, but... Um, you know, he, he kept doing it and, uh, you know, to his credit, he's backing in his team. There aren't many Pakistan fans in India following the team at the moment, clearly, so that's not for nothing. All right, I think that's it. I think this has been the final word daily from the Chinnaswamy in Bengaluru. It was Australia, it was Pakistan, and uh, we will be back with you tomorrow because that's how a daily show works. Yeah, quite a bit on tomorrow. Uh, we've got the Netherlands playing uh, Sri Lanka in the early game. I'll have Cam Ponsonby with me for that one. And, Jeff, uh, you'll be covering it the Wonka Day. Work, rest and play. England and South Africa. Um, who have you got with you for that podcast? Uh, I'm working that out. That's uh, we're, we're thinking <laughs> on our feet at this stage of the campaign. Okay. Okay, uh, TVC on that one. Either way, there'll be two eps in the feed. Storytime, a history show will be there on Monday as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This has been the Final Word Daily for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.